1: Hey everybody, it's Dave here, Darren over there, we're your two old bloggers, been talking about the Minnesota Vikings publicly for over two decades apiece. It seems like a long time, but we're waiting for that first glorious year that we can celebrate for the rest of our lives. I want to thank everybody that showed up so far. Sorry we're late, we're dealing with some uh, technical issues all day today, I have no idea why, but we got Doc Proto, we got Justin, the beautiful and wonderful Mary Fisk, Forlorn Hope, Raymond is in the house, he's got a new avatar too, good for you Raymond, it looks great, Mr. Bob Swede, who else am I missing, the good and wonderful Freddie is here, my worthless opinion. And if I missed anybody, I apologize, but we'll call you out shortly. There's Aaron. He's down here steaming with me today. Well, what do we have on schedule for this day of two old bloggers? Three things, as usual. As usual. Now, if I can get my notes up, I'd be all right. It's been one of those kind of days, folks. And I. Uh, to tell you about one of those kind of days. I deleted 5,800 images this morning. Oh, drove me absolutely bat crazy. But we have the technology, we got them back. Just took a while. Our themes today are first one the preseason games, winners and losers who played well on Thursday, who didn't, why we'll have to find out. And then Our second theme is, the team went hunting. It had uh, Mr. Hunt in to check on his status and whether it's possible the Vikings might sign another running back. Kareem has been good throughout his career, but is he now? And then our third theme, we're going to take our 2024 Free Agent Spotlight and we're going to shine it on the one, the only, Mr. Kirk Cousins. All that is next on 2 old Vikings First in Skull presents This Week in Vikings Land with Darren and Dave, your two old bloggers. Hey, everybody. It's me, Dave, again, and Darren over there. How are things in the Great White North? Darren, hopefully your day is going better than mine, other than your microphone setup. <laughs> it's going okay, Dave. Yeah, we're... <laughs>
0: other day, no rain, fires everywhere.
1: But we don't have the fires. It could. I mean, it's something simple would set it off here because we haven't had rain. I think it rained once in the last month, and that was just briefly. It's it's dry, dry, dry. All the grass is browned out, gone in the hibernation. It is bleh. And Same here. Yeah, but we've got another full week, more than a full week of 100-plus degree temperatures. Yay. We'll finally get, I think, looking at the 10-day forecast, day 9 and 10, it drops below 100 for the first time in over a month. So, hey, that's what you get when you live in Texas. We have great winners, though. I do want to say hey to everybody that showed up. Aaron can uh, attest to how warm it is down here. Hopefully the fires will get better, as Dr. Proto says, up there, and you guys won't have to worry as much. It's going to get to the point where they won't have anything else to burn, Uh, except for you got tons of space for that to happen. We do, but I don't know. Well, let's hope and pray for some rain. All right, let's go on to theme one. Theme one: winners and losers. You haven't had the opportunity to talk about the game on Thursday. Let's hear about it.
0: I have not today. Will, today will be the day. Uh, the uh, and, uh, yeah, Thursday finally got some Vikings football, sort of. Uh,
1: Mm -hmm. after a long and there goes Darren's internet yay and I've got to try to fix why I can't get these to switch to fly in from the bottom anyways bear with us folks bear with us we're dealing with this today It's a fun, fun deal. Yes, Anthony, hopefully he does get some crossing reins. I agree. Dave L., what's up? We're dealing with some uh, technical issues today. Hopefully, all that gets fixed. Just like this. Why is it not coming in from another direction? Mary, hello. Hopefully, your day is going better than mine. Losers, McBride and Booth. Aaron, I'm going to have to agree with you on that one. I did not see anything promising from either one of those fine gentlemen. And I don't know why. So, can we at least fix this? Put it up top or something? Too far. Now, that those were two of the ones I wanted to feature. I'm waiting on Darren to get back. He should get back. We've dealt with this stuff before. <laughs> Please take a shot and deal with it. Hey, it's a good day for that. I don't know if it's the weather. I don't know if it's sunspots. But we're having all sorts of issues, and it now looks like your internet's back up, so that's good. I don't know, it's going to be one of those days, Dave. Um, it, it is. We're going to struggle. And you know what I'm going to struggle with? I've got Texas bourbon whiskey, small batch from Fire Oak, Fire Oak Distillery down, or not down, but actually up in Liberty Hill, Texas, which is about 45 minutes north of me. It's a very, very, very good. It's got a sweet on the be, on the beginning taste, little botanicals with honeysuckle. Um very good whiskey. And as was suggested to me by Dr. Proto, that's how I should deal with it. And I think I'm going to take up his, his advice. It's a wise you man. I need some of that to get through the show. I know. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Now, tell us about your winners and losers. Yeah. the um,
0: So last week talked about how really looking for – we know we know what happened score doesn't matter vikings lost we know why they lost neither team played hardly any of their starters and uh and so what i was really looking for is like i was looking for particularly the young guys and the first two draft classes of kwezi dofomensa to some of those guys to make some impact plays do some positive things um and you you know we're going to be looking at and not only them but the the two high-profile undrafted rookie free agents, Ivan Pace Jr. and Andre Carter, looking for to see what they would bring to the table. Um, so, again, winners and losers, who played well, who did not. First guy that was a big winner, I think he's right up there right now, Ty Chandler, second-year running back. Um, the stats weren't eye-popping, 11 carries for 41 yards. Four catches for 29 yards, but really felt that he ran hard. He ran physical. Uh, he showed uh, uh, like nice hands out of the backfield. We've seen that before, but really did a good job catching the ball. Held up well in pass protection, I think. And also he showed an ability, like uh, Kevin O'Connell mentioned it. He, he t- Kevin O'Connell talked after the game that he didn't see one time where the first tackler got Ty Chandler down. Ty Chandler always managed to make that guy miss, or, or was not brought down by the first tackler. And I think that's key at the NFL level. And he even showed like a good wiggle ability, ability to make the first guy miss in a lot of cases, all important. So really Ty Chandler, big winner in that game. He got a ton of work in the first half and he looks like a guy, Dave, that is ready to contribute on Sundays for the Vikings in some, in some sort of, you know, role predict at, at the running back not as a special teams guy but like as a running back as a part of our offense i thought I, he was I, a big winner
1: i did too and i watched him specifically on some pass protection reps and he blew up one blitz just completely blew it up took the guy out and there's on most of his reps he looked fantastic and i very much that is a key Right, I agree with you. He ran well. He seemed to have got it. He seemed to know when the play call was this, he knew where he was going. He knew his reads and where to cut, and we don't see that all the time from running backs. Sometimes that takes a while. It's not always a natural ability thing, but he had it. I thought he had a very, very good game. There was a couple times he was stopped right at the line of scrimmage or a little bit behind it, but part of that may have been, one of the loser categories of the game Yeah. Uh, and, and there was issues with that. And I'm sure we'll get into that.
0: Yeah. I think in a lot of cases where he didn't get a lot, there wasn't a lot for him to get, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is part of the issue. I don't think the offensive line, uh, the, the guys that were in there had a particularly good day, although pro football focus felt we pass blocked. Well, they said we only gave up two pressures or something like that. I'm not, at least in the first half, uh, I thought there was a, quite a bit more than that, but anyway, that, Ty Chandler, big winner. The second big winner in the game, I thought, it was one that was really surprising to me, was um, was Luigi Villain, the second-year edge linebacker from last year. He was an undrafted rookie free agent. He had uh, some three nondescript years or two nondescript years at University of Michigan. Drew Bundig would know that well. He went to Wake Forest, <laughs> went to Wake Forest, had a team-high nine sacks, then didn't get drafted. We picked him up. He stuck with the team. He he um, he he played. He suited up for three games. Didn't really show anything either in preseason or those three games. Didn't get a lot of reps in the games. But against Seattle, he showed up. I felt uh-huh. he had the he had the one strip sack, which everybody would have saw. Of Drew Locke uh, also had three pressures, and there was and he was a problem for Seattle all night when he was in there. I felt was around the ball a lot, and he had at least two of the pressures. He he didn't get the sack, but he forced Drew Locke to like throw the ball in an uncomfortable position and make a bad incompletion. And if you don't get the sack, David, as a pass rusher, that's the next best Mm -hmm. outcome of your pass rush.
1: Yeah. You want to move. You want to make that quarterback feel uncomfortable and you want to move him. Absolutely.
0: And make him make it, make him uncomfortable move him and throw a pass either before he wants to or in a way that the pass is not going to be really catchable which is what happened in two of those cases I thought Villain was really good and again surprising to me I thought he'd be a roster cut this year but so really going to look for him in the Tennessee game to see if he builds off of this because I think he will play a lot again and Mm -hmm. maybe it's a case where the Brian Flores defense is really something that suits uh, Villain's talents and he's had a year to develop and he's taking his game to another level. And this is positive day because the Vikings really, really need somebody with pass rush juice outside of Marcus Davenport and Daniel Hunter. And if somebody unexpected like Luigi Villane can bring that this year, that's a big, 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 big plus for the Vikings defense. So I thought Villa was a like a a big winner in that game. Um the third big winner I thought, and people have already mentioned it, like, what do you think of Ivan Pace Junior? Well you know again we've we've heard he's had a great training camp lots of kudos from the coaches from harrison smith about ivan pace jr but would it translate into a game when he actually got up against another team and i thought on thursday night he had some ups and downs for sure david but overall i thought that you know he had a pretty good showing a very encouraging showing his run defense grades for pff i think was 72.5 his um and and then he he also had a pretty good uh another grade i think in i can't remember his but his coverage his pass rush grade was a little bit lower 66.5 i think it was his uh pass coverage grades were very poor i think it was 47 or 44 Mm -hmm. um that's to be expected i felt that but hey you saw dave we've heard about it all the time when he sees a gap he And he thinks he knows where that, that run play is going. He shot through like he's out of a cannon, with force, with anger, with vengeance. And he's he blew up a, a Seattle guard twice,
1: knocked them well, on
0: their uh, keister
1: that, twice. That's what I wanted to see, how yeah. he handled the big lineman. right? It's one thing to do it at Cincinnati. It's another thing to do it at the NFL level. And he had no fear, none. No. It was like a badger. It's like, I don't care how big you are, I'm attacking you. And he tried to rip their face off. And I was impressed. I didn't expect that at all.
0: There are some guys though, Dave, that even though they they might be 230 pounds, but just the way they're built and the way that mm-hmm. with the with the way that they, they go at it, the force that they bring, they play bigger than the 230 pounds. And Ivan Pace Jr. looks like that guy. Like when he hits you. You know it. <laughs> it doesn't matter how big you are, you are going to feel it. Uh, so, you know, really impressed to see how you know he sees it. He goes get, he goes gets it, and he goes with it with, with a vengeance and with force. Now, I felt there were some plays where he was he didn't pick the right gap, and so he ended up shooting it all fine, but he was in the, out of position. Um, mm-hmm. That's going to happen. And on 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 pat and like in his pass coverage, there were certainly two instances I saw where pace just kind of looked like he didn't know where he should be. Uh, mm-hmm. and again that was I, I think that was probably like the weakness of his game along with his size anyway coming out of college so he'll get there but you know hard to believe that this guy was not worth a draft pick by any 32 NFL teams because this guy can play baby and <laughs> he can play he's gonna make the team he's all oh, like uh, there's no doubt about it in my mind and I think that's I don't know what role he'll have on the defense. He's certainly going to be a special teams I think an asset on special teams and possibly in in defense on the defensive side too an inside linebacker if Jordan Hicks gets nicked up or or Brian Asamoah gets nicked up, uh, Ivan Pace Jr is he's going to be right in there for playing time and and I don't think that the Vikings are going to be a uh, miss a whole lot when he's out there. Mm-hmm. Um those were the big winners. I felt. Um, I think Aaron mentioned that Jalen Rager was a winner. I, I, I would agree with that. Um, how big of a deal that he is. didn't
1: drop a pass. That to me, it was surprising. But that was yeah. he 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 didn't stop any routes. He ran all his routes. He caught all his passes. He had a good deception on the punt, right? Whereas yeah. sailing over his head, and he's like, oh no, I got to bring the guys here so they don't down it you know, within the 10, and he did the fair catch and then the, you know, immediate run-up type deal, and he had a good game. Will that last is my question. No, that's that's a good point. Uh,
0: but I think at least it was a positive for him because Rager is, is fighting for a roster spot. I think Brandon Powell played pretty well as as also. Just Rager got a few more balls thrown his way. But but again, like if, if you're looking at depth overall, um, you, you know what a luxury if you can say, hey, if some one of our top three guys goes down. Uh, we can bring in Jalen Rager and Mm -hmm. he'll do okay for us. I'm not sold on that as somebody else has already commented on, but as far as preseason goes, uh, you know, you know, I thought he was a plus. He was a winner. He may, he keeps on doing this. He will save himself a roster spot on, on the Vikings. Um, Those are the winners, the main winners. I think the losers, uh, there's a couple that come to mind. One big one. I think Louis Sean was a loser to me. Um, Now, I liked early in the game, like I think on the first play, he gets there's a play a pass on the sideline, and he just came shooting through and he took the guy down. But you know he missed three tackles I saw in the, in that game. And Pete Burchett's during the game mentioned he said he's coming in too high. Uh, <laughs> you know he's that's why he's missing those. And somebody that I've seen that online as well. Um, he is coming in too high, and he got he should have had those three tackles he missed, Dave. He should have had the the Seahawks uh, ball carrier down for no game or very little game each of those times, but he misses the tackle. And at the NFL level and for a guy like Seen who played at the CFB with Georgia as a first-round draft pick, got the best coaching you could possibly hope to have, that's just not good enough for me to be seeing this guy in year two to be missing tackles like that. Uh, you can see the force he comes in with. you you, you know he's big but if he's going to miss tackles like that you you just can't have that at the nfl level Uh, and Mm. so i
1: thought i uh, I wonder if he's being taught to tackle that way the high the grab the spin to protect against concussions or whatever because it seems odd to me to go that high on somebody that's goes against everything we've ever been taught throughout football now it may be a hey this is an anti-concussion deal but on that first rep where he actually made the tackle, I thought he was going to rip the dude's head off. Yes. And I, I'm surprised he didn't get a flag for it. He but went very high on that one. It was all of his stuff. It was high. And when you're high, the the offensive guy can literally bounce you off of him. It's not a It's not a point of leverage. You don't have the leverage at that point. That's why you go down. That's why you aim for just underneath the shoulder pads. Right? That's where you want to grab. You want, I mean, the old classic deal, hit, shoulder, wrap, pick up. That's, you know, the way to tackle. Now, you're not supposed to lead, leading with top of the head spearing, or what used to be called spearing. We learned to pull our neck, lead with our face mask. You can't even do that anymore. But you can, you know, go in with a side, to come in off the side of your face to the shoulder, and that's where you wrap and you pick up. That's normal tackling um, techniques that I'm aware of, unless they're trying to change it to, we don't want you to get a concussion, so you got to play 2 hand touch type of BS, because he was ineffective that way. He literally missed tackles because he came in too high and bounced off guys, and it's wrong. And whoever's teaching him that is doing him a disservice.
0: They sure are, uh, because he's not going to get any any playing time unless somebody gets hurt, which we don't want. Right. Right. Uh, Doing that sort of thing, you just can't have a short tackle and be missing it or getting knocked backwards by the offensive guy because of poor technique on your case. Again, hard to believe that Louisine would would be doing that sort of thing, considering the type of ball that he's played growing oh, up Georgia. <laughs> yeah. in, in Georgia, playing the against, against the best of the best in college football, and he's still doing that. You, you, I don't think you could get away with that even at the at the at the at, in the SEC. Uh, but anyway, that, that disappointing to see, uh, Aaron did mention he likes scenes closing speed and yes, that is true. Like mm-hmm. on those miss ta- on those missed tackles, he is coming in much like Ivan Pace Jr. with like full force to knock your head off, but he's the one that's getting <laughs> knocked back, not the ball carrier. So that's got to be cleaned up. Um, another loser in a way, again, Andrew Boot Jr. Again, mainly because he got burned on that touchdown pass to the undrafted rookie free agent by jake bobo that's not good but I, I kind of looked at it two ways dave and i suspect others do not but at least booth was out there on the field doing stuff he was playing and that's been one of his big problems since he's been the Vikings. Yeah. He's, been, he's he's been in the in the in the ice tub the whole time or in the trainer room And he's in a second year, but really, it's almost, I feel it's almost like a rookie year for him because he didn't get to play very much because he was hurt all the time in training camp and during the regular season last year. And he's really an unseasoned second year player. So he's got to get on the field. He's got to get reps. He's got to play against the Seahawks and struggle and figure things out at the NFL level. So at least that happened on Thursday. He was out playing in the second half and it didn't go so well, but it's not, too, I'm not giving up on Booth yet. It's not too late for him to turn things around, And but the only way he's going to get to turn around is to actually stay healthy enough first to get on the football field and play and learn from the mistakes and, get, and correct them and then go out in the field against Tennessee and show what he can do. He was picked as high as he was for a reason. You look at all the scouting reports of Andrew Booth, and he was highly rated, so the talent is there. It's just not coming through right now, and maybe part of that is just lack of playing time.
1: let's hope let's hope because he's looking like a a massive disappointment if he does not turn in anything
0: yes no exactly now so i think those are the the winners and losers you mentioned the offensive line yeah they i think overall they struggled to to particularly to pass protect for our quarterbacks and and again um Uh, one thing I didn't mention in the intro was that it was really looking to see, you know, I thought that we'd see some starters, uh, some of the younger presumptive starters play in this game. And uh, Caleb Evans did play. Um, Eddie, Ed Ed Ingram did play. I was a bit surprised to see Cam Bynum play a bit. He he played a few series and Mm. then Brian Asimoa didn't play. And I was kind of, what happened there? And we learned yesterday that it was, he's a nicked up and they didn't play him. So, because I thought he needs to get in there a bit too. Again, another guy hasn't played much. I know that he's supposed to be the starter, but I think the Vikings have to see him in preseason and get some reps to feel good about him. Uh, Some other interesting things, though, in that game is that Vidarian Lowe played, I think, pretty much the whole game at left tackle. Mm -hmm. I thought he did okay, but then Blake Brandle was on the inside playing guard. And last year, Brandle was our backup left tackle Now it looks like maybe Vidarian Lowe is, and Brandel's on the inside because our depth is not very robust on the inside. Um, Just something to look at there.
1: Not that Brandel played a great left tackle. No. but Our depth on the interior is miserable. With Reed out, there's nobody. And it's just like, oh, come on guys, you guys got to step it up. And it The pass pro, especially in the second half with the third, second, and third stringers in there, was horrendous. Uh, Jaron Hall was spending most of the night running away, and I don't think that was because he was taking his time making his reads. I think he was, I saw he was under pressure and was like, Oh my God. Yep. Thankfully, he could scramble. That's what a Hall's better attributes, but the whole line didn't work right. And even in yesterday, KOC had a presser where he talked about Ed, and he said, Ed graded out great for him. They did real well. All except for one play, he did what he was supposed to do. And there's a difference if you look at Ed's PFF pass blocking grade, it's a 50-whatever. And then you look true set, which was a 77 now we're talking real small sample size folks. one game is not does not make the Super Bowl and he made he, he may have played what three series
0: in the first half Dave? yeah something like that
1: and it's and the difference between a true pass true set and just pass blocking as a whole is a a true pass set is think of it when the quarterback's dropping straight back and the O lines immediately going back into pass protection right. He did well there. He didn't do that well last year doing that, but he did well there. Okay, good. Improvement. We know he's good at run blocking. The difference between a pass blocking grade and a pass blocking grade and a true pass set is that the pass blocking grade has also in it, and I was explaining this to a friend of the show, Ted Glover, has in it all your other types of passes. It has your screens. It has your RPOs. It has anything where there's movement, where the offensive line is first selling the run, right? Play action, right? The first thing an offensive lineman's taught to do, at least back in my day, is take that first step out and engage, or at least look like you're about to engage the defender. When we're talking at this level, That happens too, but there's also a place where it's we're going wide zone, you know, to the right, to the left, wherever it is you're moving, and you're trying to get that first step is to try to get across that defender's helmet to get on his other side so you can seal him in. And then you drop back into pass protection. And it's that transition from run blocking to pass blocking that Ed seems to have a problem with. He's not the only one. Absolutely, <laughs> positively. not the only one on that offensive line that has that problem. But that seems to be the problem. That and dealing with stunts, right? They they did Seattle did do a lot of stunts against our line, and it confused them. That wasn't the only issue as well. There was a third one, and this is the one that Kevin O'Connell mentioned yesterday in his press conference that he got a little upset with, is that they went up there, and the— Blocking was called, whether it be by the center or by the quarterback of, you know, hey, we're going wall left, we're going to do this, we're going to do whatever. And Ed was like, no, that's the wrong call and didn't say anything. Mm -hmm. And KOC got on him and says, no, if you know it's the wrong call, you need to say something. You need to take that leadership. Yes, you're only in your second year. You need to take that leadership. And he didn't. Because Ed was right. It was the wrong call. And I remember, I think it was uh, Tanishka Mascar put out a picture showing him standing all alone. Right tackle had a guy. Center, left guard, left tackle had a guy. And there was a rusher off the left edge that was about to hit. I think it was Nick Mullins at the time. And the problem is, was Ed doing anything wrong? Absolutely not. He didn't have anybody to block. There was nobody there. And everybody else was already being occupied. The problem was the call on the offensive line for the correct blocking was way wrong to have him standing out there and doing nothing. This is not just what we saw on Thursday. Everybody got all upset about, oh my God, this offensive line stinks. Well, first off, you're looking at second and third stringers for the most part. Oh, yes. And we know there we do not have quality depth anywhere on that offensive line. Even Ole Udo Udo didn't look as good as he did last year, right? So, and people, well, Dave, you got to go get them. Where? They don't exist. That's the problem. They're not coming out of college all ready to go. It's taking time. They literally don't exist anymore. So it's taking time. So we've got to put out the best and train the best. I look forward to this Thursday's, Wednesday's and Thursday's practice, or Thursday and Friday, or whenever the joint practice is with Tennessee this week, to see all those guys, the starters together and working together. And there was good news out of camp today Brian O'Neill was in full pads and taking full participation, banging heads with the best of them. He's on track to be back and starting as of Week One, but it's going to take those guys getting together, and then hopefully the second stringers or whoever comes into bat play backup learns in the meantime to identify the right how the, how the defense is set and then set the correct. Blocking scheme, and then to execute said blocking scheme, to learn how to deal with stunts when you have defenders crossing your face doing different things, when you have defenders trying to bull rush you, to speed rush you, to do whatever, how to deal with each of those situations and to do it as a cohesive unit. If the Vikings can do that, not just on the first string, we expect the first string to be better this season. They have to be. People's jobs are on the line. They must be, and I suspect they will be. But the backups need to be better as well. And if I'm not seeing any progression after this season, I'm seriously looking at Krumpf, the I think that's his name, the offensive line coach, and saying, hey, dude, you're not pulling your weight. I don't care Maybe how Chris. much we like you. Chris Cooper. Yeah. We, you need to teach these guys and bring them up to speed. Yes, I agree. They're not coming out of college that way, but you've got to do it now, right? And then they've got to work on the off-season stuff, how to better do it, right? I'm hearing Ed Ingram lost weight. He was told to lose weight. And then to me, that was just, I was like, what? Why? Offensive linemen need to be big. Yes, they can put on more muscle and trim down and get leaner and look like Adonis's that weigh 300 pounds. Sure, I have no problem with that, but you don't generally want to get lighter As an offensive lineman, you lose power a lot of times when you get lighter. And playing offensive line, especially in the interior, is all about power. So it's just, it's frustrating to me. I want to see them get with, and I know there's retired linemen that are starting lineman camps and doing all sorts of things. And they're trying to bring these guys up, they're trying to catch. To where there's receivers and quarterback camps, you know, have been going on, especially quarterback camps for well over a decade now, where they're actually grooming these kids from junior high, high school on up in these positions. And they're now trying to start that with linemen because they need it because they don't play the same style of line in college as they do here, but if they, as they do in the NFL, but if they start to learn it early, they'll be more ready. By the time they hit the NFL. And you know, good offensive linemen make good bank, especially left tackles, but all of them can make good bank. I mean, good guards will make into the teens, um, you know, 12, 15 million a year. So they've got to be able to do it. But it is. Aaron, you said guards can be lighter, right? To pull, et cetera. No, you don't need that. If your guards are pulling, we When we played power back in the day, where it was mano-a-mano, mano, we're just going to beat you up one-on-one, right? And the bigger, the better. Think of the Dallas offensive lines way back when they had Aikman and those guys. It was just, we're going to outsize you. Your guard's still going to pull, but it's a shorter distance. If a right guard's pulling to go right to knock somebody out, uh an edge that's coming that way because the tackle's blocking down. It's still a shorter distance. It's a simple step-out-go. He can still do that. It's not like he's sprinting for 40 yards. It's He's maybe going three or five. That's it. It's a quick burst. And weight isn't, you know, being lighter isn't going to help you that much. And especially if you're going against big guys on the other end. Luckily, Most uh, defense is starting to downsize as well, but I don't know. Norris Fias, good to see you, my friend. Shane, good to see you. Steak meat. Yes, steak sounds good there, Shane. But Sunday for me is pizza day. All right, continue. I took over. Sorry. You just got a 20, 20
0: minutes soliloquy on offensive linemen from Dave Stefano. Surprising, <laughs> a, Shocking, huh? Where where it used to be Ursmuth Junior was my guy to get on the high horse uh-huh. about Ed Ingram. Ed Ingram is Dave Stefano's trigger. Mention <laughs> yeah. Ed Ingram, and then away, away Dave goes for <laughs> half an hour, maybe. But yeah, I
1: I just I, just a few hey, little I, things I, it, to be Ezra too.
0: I, true. Uh, a few few other things about the preseason game um like the the this year the 2023 rookie class um you know jordan addison Hey man, the guy's ready to go. <laughs> like he's if he's not our number two in, the, in by game five, I'll be very surprised. Uh, three targets should have had two catches. That toe tapping one on the sideline was a thing of beauty. Somehow mm. they didn't call the reception, but either way, I mean this this guy looks like he's ready to go. Um, Jay Ward, Makai Blackman, Dwayne McBride, uh, more quiet nights I, I think. Uh, Makai Blackman had one nice pass breakup, and then he got called for like a um, holding on on the touch the first touchdown by Seattle and Jay Ward was in there later he made a few tackles but nothing too spectacular Dwayne McBride also did not have a great night running the ball Uh, he ran hard Aaron was mentioning it though as he ran hard he showed that good contact balance that we read about in the scouting reports but the guy does not seem did not make one tackler miss no wiggle uh, so he's got to learn to do that. Pete Persich mentioned that too. said maybe the reason he's not in the game and Smith is in the game is because the coaches aren't seeing him missing, making that first tackle or miss. So right. a bit disappointing, a bit disappointing for him. But again, lots of time uh, there. Uh, Andre Carter, it was good to see him on the field. He got quite a bit of reps there late in the second half and the third. Almost had a sack. Uh, but Drew Locke, Drew Locke kind of um, did a bit of a juke on him, mm-hmm. but uh, he's going to be an interesting guy, Dave, because, y- you know, with um, the, the reputation, the sacks he had two years ago in Army, it, it'll be interesting because uh, he's an undrafted free agent. If he doesn't make the 53 and we try to put him on the practice squad, does he – does he get picked up by somebody else? So the Vikings, I think, are going to have an interesting decision with Carter. If if he does okay but not outstanding enough to make the team, I think another team will snap him up because of his potential and he wouldn't be on the practice squad long. So that may factor into roster decisions. Final guy to mention is just Jaron Hall uh, at quarterback. Again, the stats were terrible. Didn't wasn't able to get the offense moving at all. But I think pretty tough to grade him, as a lot of other people have mentioned. Just he was under pressure the whole time. Um, he made that one nice back shoulder throw to Keel Harry, who has been mentioned uh, by a commenter uh, as maybe having a shot at making the roster. Don't know about that, but but I you know I feel that Hall is he was playing with third and fourth stringers, guys who aren't even going to make the practice squad. So. It's it's tough for him, but the, the issue is that he those guys those are going to be the guys he's going to be playing with. I think against Tennessee and in the final game, so he's got to find a way to make the offensive function and have some positive drives with those bad players and build off of that. Because I don't think he's going to he's not going to be playing with Jordan Addison in this preseason or or Justin Jefferson or anything like that. So he's going to have to find a way to shine uh, despite the crap that he's having to play with um i did uh, aaron mentioned it and i did like the fact that in his press conference availability he, he you know he, he answered questions confidently he didn't seem down he said he was happy to have gotten the opportunity to play looks like a very level headed guy and and who takes things and processes them and and says okay i didn't do that well i'm going to build off of that and you really need that attitude in this league because it tears you down <laughs> pretty bad yeah and uh so you know i like hall's attitude if, if nothing else and uh, waiting to see more out of him but just some few observations from the from that first preseason game and waiting to see what more we might learn in the tennessee game
1: mm-hmm. Yep, got a few questions to uh, answer somebody oh. asked me what kind of pizza i like i like very good pizza Unfortunately, here in Austin, you can't find it, so I settled for mediocre pizza. There's not enough Italians here down here that know how to make pizza. Yeah. Best pizza is up on, you know, go on the upper East Coast. Sorry, but that's, you can't find it down here in Texas. Get Tex-Mex food, absolutely fabulous. Best tacos in the world. Pizza, not, nah, not here. Somebody asked my experience. I played in high school. I was recruited out of high school to five different Ivy League schools. I was uh, just barely over six feet at the time, played tight end and defensive end. I was being recruited to play tight end. Only Tufts University wanted me to play rugby. All the others was um, football. I went, joined the military afterwards. Life changes, gets in the way. didn't go immediately to college. I went to a military college, but joined the military. then went on to England, played on back. This was back in the 80s. We still had full contact football for each base, had their own team. I was part of that. And I was also helping the semi pro team in Swindon down there with some of their stuff, is what I was doing. Came back to the States, coached on the base level, different levels. Also did high school coaching for quite a while before. Once I rolled about 40, 42, I was, I've had. It was enough that it was just coaching for you know a few years and then got busy with life and going back overseas and doing all sorts of other stuff. That's my experience. I grew up playing almost every position on the offense, defensive line. I settled in on tight end, defensive end. I know them all well, coached most positions on the football field. So that's where I get my knowledge from. But I absolutely love line play. And have studied it for years, so that's where it comes from. Pine, Aaron suggests I go to the pint house. At least there's beer. Yes. Oh, there's good, good alcohol in Austin. <laughs> Whether it be beer or whiskey or vodka or whatever, there's great. No, not in uh, Minnesota. Actually, in New Hampshire, Nashua, New Hampshire. So. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price priceline. This episode is made possible by PWC. It's getting hot out here. Moving the Mercury can help move your business. PWC helps turn sustainability theory into real-world action. Reduce your carbon footprint while increasing transparency in net zero commitments. Start with reporting to identify your climate risks and reinvent your business. Create a more sustainable business and a stronger planet. It's all part of The New Equation. Learn more at thenewequation.com. Going hunting.
0: Yes, a little bit of... Off the field news on Friday day where we learned that kareem hunt was or the Vikings are having kareem hunt in for a visit the uh, uh looks like it's going to be the ex Browns running back and uh an, an interesting visit because you know why why are they bringing in kareem hunt uh they've all through the offseason, Kevin O'Connell's been busy pumping the tires on Alexander Madison, who we think is going to be the number one running back for the Vikings, and how pleased he is with Madison and how he's ready to take the next step. And he's also been pumping the tires a bit on Ty Chandler. And we saw him in the preseason game in Seattle, with it looks like good reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and, th- and then you've got that Kwesi Dofimetsa and Kevin O'Connell that remember in April mm-hmm. on day three of the draft, they seemed like pumped that they got Dwayne McBride in the seventh round said he was a, but they had him rated in the fourth round or something like that. Right. Um, and like, so they were pumped to get him. I was too, because he'd been ultra productive at UAB. And then we've, and then with Kenny, Kenny Wong, we've always, I think a lot of us have always been intrigued. Hey, you know, if that great speed he has that works so well on kickoff returns, if there'd be a way we could incorporate that, him in the running back in a larger role so it, we were interested to see what kenny Wongwu could do but uh like it's a pretty crowded felt like it's a pretty crowded running back room right now so where would kareem hunt fit into that i think one of the reasons they brought him in is that you know even though they've been pumping the tires on madison and ty chandler uh there i think there's still legitimate questions about how effective this running back unit with with Alexander Madison uh, as your number one is going to be for the Vikings compared to what it has been when uh, Dalvin Cook has been the, the bell cow for, for five, six years. So Kareem Hunt is a guy who's a known commodity, Dave, of course. Been, you He know, had a great rookie season with the Chiefs, uh, some very strong seasons after that with the Chiefs and the Browns. Last year was probably his worst season as a pro, uh, but... Again, he's 28. He's a known commodity. A very good pass catcher out of the backfield. Um, you, you, you know, if you're concerned about how this for these four younger running backs are going to do, you bring in Kareem Hunt, and you can feel you've improved your depth, and you've got a guy who's a pro who's proven it at the NFL level. So that'd be one reason you'd bring him in. I, I think the other thing is is that uh, clearly, you know, the the outside folks there doesn't seem to be a lot of love for the Vikings right now. Ah, they won so many one score games last year. They went 13 and four, but they're actually a seven and 10 an eight and nine team.
1: Really? Uh, they've got no chance to beat them. They got rid of their best players on defense. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, but so I don't think there's a lot of love outside for the Vikings and people think they're going to take a big step back, but I think, Quesia Dofamenza and Kevin O'Connell do not feel that way. They feel that, that they've got a very good chance to repeat as NFC champions and go to the playoffs again and make some noise. And so you they are looking for players, veterans who are available who can strengthen the roster and make our offense and defense more dangerous. That's why you're you that's why you visit with Kareem Hunt if he's available. That's why you bring in Dalton Reisner for a visit. Uh, when your depth at, on the interior on the offensive line is not that great. Uh, that's why you bring in a Ronald Darby at corner because you've got a bunch of young corners. You Other than Byron Murphy, you don't really know what they are there. You don't want a season to go south because your corners can't cover anybody. So, you know, doing your due diligence with those guys. Uh, and I applaud that. Um, I think that if you look at like Dalvin Cook and Kareem Hunt, uh you look at their PFF grades, pretty similar. They've, they've had some strong grades. The past couple for Cook, PFF didn't think as much of him, as highly as him. And last year, uh, Hunt's grades were low, as was his production. Hmm. But, um, you know, it's it, you should be, as, a, as a, a front office and the coaching staff, you can never stand still at the NFL level. you got to continuously be looking every day, every week, at is there a guy out there who can make us better at a position? Especially in some of these spots, like guard, like running back, where and even corner, where injuries happen a lot to the guys that you have, and you could have Alexander Madison now, and in two weeks' time he could be gone for the year. And if that's the case, uh, you've brought in a Kareem Hunt, and you've gotten a chance. I think if there's an injury in those positions, you've had you've met with Reisner, you've met with somebody like Derby, you've met with Hunt that gives you, I think, a a leg up on the process of replacing them if injuries hit because you brought them in, you get an idea for how they might fit with the team, how quick, you know, do they seem like a good guy for the chemistry of of your team? Um, And if you need to make a replacement quickly, you don't have to bring them in for a visit. You've already done that. Um, So I think that's good for our front office to be proactive like that. And um, it it works the same way for the player too, Dave, because if I'm Kareem Hunt – Uh, And I've already, if the Vikings call me a second time, well, I've already visited there. I've already met with the coaching staff. Do I think that, do I like them? Do I think I can work with them? Uh, What, what kind of role do they think I will have in the offense? Do, do I feel that suits, uh, you know, where I am at my career now, the training facilities, the training staff, do, do they seem top notch? Can I be happy working there, living there, playing there? Uh, You don't have to you know, Kareem Hump could make the decision now if he gets called and they want to give him an offer uh, he doesn't right. have to make he doesn't have to make a visit he doesn't have to visit with the, the team check out the facilities so he's already done that so it could be if they need him it could be a quick process on both ends on giving him an offer and if there's an emergency situation with an injury give him an offer and then you've got a veteran who can you can plug in and play and probably not have to worry about what kind of production going to get from him. Yeah. Come again,
1: yeah, Freddie. I, I was actually a kid in Minnesota, I grew up in the Twin Cities where I went to my first game, but moved all over after that. So,
0: now, now the Vikings have not uh, signed any of these vets that they've brought in yet. That doesn't mean that they won't, but uh, normally, if you bring them in and you don't sign them initially, usually you don't end up signing them at all. But, uh, but we'll see. But I, you know, I still think, hey, take a look find out where the interest is, find out where if the price points can work for you and for them. And then if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out, but you've, you've given it a shot. You've done your due diligence and uh, and you've got to do that all year round, you know, with the rosters and with the way the season can, and injuries and off the field issues that might happen with certain players that make them unavailable when you need them to be available.
1: Hmm. I. I agree. It's it's good to have these guys on the proverbial roller decks or in your yes. favorites on your phone. So if something happens, all they gotta do, Crazy's gotta do, hey, we got a spot open. men, you're good? We'll give you uh, you know, additional incentives, blah, 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 blah. Good. We got a plane ticket waiting for you. Be at the airport in you know, two hours. Yeah. And that's it. And suddenly we've got Things replaced. I think it's a good idea. I guess there's some people out there will be wondering. Well, how
0: come you didn't bring Dalvin Cook in again? You already know it what, what he is. I, right. I, don't, I don't. I think that one. You know that door is that closed is now. Burned.
1: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Fr- Freddie, no, I don't think Darren grew up in Minnesota. Sure nah. not. I didn't grow up anywhere in the U.S. I'm a Canadian. <laughs> hey. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, that's. As for Kareem Hunt, he's past his prime. He's just like Dalvin Cook. They're on the backside of that slope for a running back. Did he have a great career? Was he great early? Absolutely. Um, But I think it's just, you know, adding, checking that box. In case of emergency, call Kareem Hunt type deal. In case
0: of emergency, break glass
1: and mm -hmm. call call your running back. And I think that's all it is. Now, speaking of running backs and boo-boos, injuries uh Kane Wangu was out we didn't see him on Thursday's game cuz he is supposedly dinged up and then McBride now there's questions about McBride whether he's even rosterable as of right now he'd probably make it to the practice squad cuz if other teams looked at what he did on Thursday nobody's going to care that he you know gets cut and then we can pick him up on the practice squad so if you keep three plus CJ Ham, that's obviously um Matty, Wangwu, and Chandler. There may be a room for a fourth that's not named McBride in there. So who knows? It'd be good to have a crusty old vet back there as well.
0: But he's we'll, not gonna we'll, start.
1: Maddie's got to yeah. start.
0: Will Ludford had uh, Wong Wu being the cut on the Daily Norseman in his uh, latest roster projections. He did, he did not, he felt that his only uh, ask, you know, the only thing he does is, all he does is return kickoffs, right? And, uh, right. and there's less and less kickoffs being returned. So uh, you're not going to keep a roster spot for a guy who returns 30 some kicks a year and doesn't do anything else.
1: Um, I however, we shall Warren, see. Warren writes some good stuff, but now we're getting into, uh, we don't have enough running backs, and, and that's a problem too.
0: On to the Freddie, my, oh. my favorite CFL team is the uh, Ottawa Red Blacks.
1: Mm. Our free agent spotlight for next year, and it is the one, the only, the savior from Michigan State. Mr. Kirk Cousins. Yes, for those who are new to the
0: show, we've been, uh, past few weeks, we've been looking at uh, potential 2024 free agents for the Vikings and whether uh, they have, should be, can be, and should be resigned by the Vikings in 2024 if they hit the free agency market. And we've got to, everybody's favorite, Kirk Cousins today. Um, you know, he's a guy that's Viking fans have been giving this guy a lot of crap. Both of us have at times too, Dave, since he got signed in 2018, right? You know, um, uh, you know he's as durable as they come and guaranteed he's going to throw 4,000 yards and around 30 touchdowns every year for you. You know that. But then the questions are, well, you know, is he a leader? Is he a winner? Can he, you know, elevate teammates to another level? Can he put the team on his back? Um he doesn't Why does make he the playoffs. So. Garbage time. <laughs> yeah, you know those questions have always been up there, and he started to chip away at that narrative a fair bit last year with all the comeback wins, and then you know the the, the more carefree, relaxed Kirk Cousins who's on the airplane with no shirt on and the chains and all that sort of stuff. So, uh, and then his appearance in in the in the NFL Films uh, series quarterback where we got to saw, see him at home in a controlled environment, but, you know, got to see his, his preparation, how much pain he take, you know, he deals with how what he does to get prepared as a player Uh, that garnered him, I think, you know, fair bit of respect. Um, but still five years with the Vikings, they made the playoff twice, uh, one and two in playoff games. And that included a one and done last year after you went 13 and four and won the NFC North division title. Now, um, though the record in that not all on Kurt, and of course he played very well in the the, the loss to the Giants for the most part. So that was more on the defense than him. But it is what it is. That's the situation. Those are you know the record and the facts for Kurt Cousins. And it's led to questions about every year, what's his future with the team? He's he the Vikings and more questions this year, of course, because the Vikings front office and cousins uh team decided not to Get in, uh you know, do the third extension since he's been here, a contract extension since he's been here with Minnesota, and to let things play out. And so now he's set to be a free agent potentially at the end of the 2023 season. So the big question for the Vikings, for Kwasi Dofimenza, for Kevin O'Connell, for Kirk Cousins is should the Vikings extend him and can they? Um, I, I think with Kirk Cousins, I think since his first contract went up, it's always been, I think, a the difficult spot and a difficult decision for the Vikings because uh again um Cousins has given us statistically statistically production that the Vikings have had well never at the quarterback position now Fran Tarkin and I think if, if you kind of tried to different eras but I think if you put Fran Tarkin into this era He's going to come up with similar stats and actually better on the running side of things than Kirk Cousins is doing, I think. But you can't do that. But, but anyway, statistically, Cousins has put up stats that that in every year that no Viking quarterback has done. They, some The odd Viking quarterback like Brett Friar in 2009, they did it for one year, but they didn't do it after that. So that's what you're looking at. But then again, the record, the playoff record, the, the the overall record, the lack of consistently making the playoffs under Cousins, that's on him too. So for the Vikings, always a difficult decision. A you know for them, you know the problem is, of course, there's no heir apparent on the roster right now. Nick Mullins is a is a backup. Jaron Hall is an untested fifth round rookie, um, and so. You don't have anybody that you can move on from if you decide to let Cousins go. Um, the other thing is that with Cousins this year, the Vikings are not in rebuilding tank mode, David. They're looking to make the playoffs again. They've got a roster that even if things go very badly, I would see, at worst case, I think this team finishes like 7-10 and 10 or 8-9, at worst case. That is not going to get you into the top three uh, give you a top three pick in the nfl draft so you can go after a hot shot college quarterback like caleb williams or drake may get so the vikings aren't going to be bad enough and they're not in tank mode so they can be in position to get a franchise guy if they decide to move on from cousins the, or they'd have to give up a ton of draft capital maybe maybe even some key players on their team to trade up to do that i don't i don't know i don't know if uh Kwesi Dofomenso being the guy who measures, uh, you know, analytics and the, the cost benefits of that, whether he'd be wanting to give up so much draft capital to move up a, in, the, oh. in the top of a draft when picking a college quarterback is very much a crapshoot. Uh, so yes, that's it a difficult... Is.
1: Yeah, it, <clears throat> You know, and we had, we had Caleb Williams up there. Williams is regarded as the generational talent's going to go number one. Most of people have studied the draft say generally the first and second quarterback off the board generally aren't the ones that make it. It's usually the third one. And it's mm-hmm. just because the draft is so finicky and people are identifying them. Now, whether they had generational talent or not, that's a different story. Whether it be when, um, oh, what's his name? Come on, David. Manning. um. When Manning came out of Tennessee, they thought he was generational, right? Yes. They were correct, even though his first year sucked. It's all, it's a crapshoot, but it's a a better odds in the first round than it is in the second, than it is in the third, than it is in the fourth, and it's below zero in the fifth, and then it starts to go back up sixth and seventh. But, So it's whether they draft somebody or could be high enough to grab, say, maybe they want Caleb Williams. If we finish 10 wins, obviously we're probably going to be drafted in the 20s ish, as usual. Yes. What would it take to get that high in the draft? You're going to have to trade a boatload, you know, a whole draft next year's for next year and a year after and a year after first sort of type stuff to get there so it's going to be interesting to see how they address it but it's going to be interesting to see what kirk does this year it is and i think you know, my feeling is that
0: right now like again there's all those things you're looking at uh like as to the vikings being in a diff- difficult position the other difficult thing is that um even if if you look to re-sign Kirk Cousins, it's not going to be cheap, of course. Now, no. uh, uh, Justin Herbert just uh, signed a five-year, was it $252 million, $262 million contract, uh, which is around $52 million annual. Now, I don't think Kirk Cousins at age, at age 35 and you've brought this up before David 35 quarterback or he turns 35 on August the 19th and at 35 that's when sort of quarterbacks their level play really starts to go downhill as durable as it is so um, at at age 35 I don't think Kirk Cousins is going to get Justin Herbert money but that's going to be a starting point for his, 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 his team in any negotiations and he's going to get big money Assuming he has a year similar to what he had last year and the year before, he's going to get big money if he hits the free agent market. So mm-hmm. it's not going to be cheap. And do you want to sink money into Cousins at 35 when you've also got Justin Jefferson? You got to sign and pay, and you got Christian Derisaw that you got to pay. Um, I just feel that at the end of this year, unless Cousins somehow gets us to the Super Bowl and we win it, I think Quaysee, Adolfa, Mensa, and Kevin O'Connor are going to say, "Hey, as nice as the nice things we've said about Kirk, and as much as we like him." It's time for us to move on and that uh, they're not going to sink the big commitment, an extra two or three years and big financial commitment into, into Kirk Cousins. I think they're going to let him go elsewhere uh, and that they're going to look to sign a bridge guy. Not a lot of the f- potential free agent quarterbacks to be is not very impressive, but hey, Gardner Minshew turns 28 and be a free agent at the end of the year and, you know, hey, He'd be an affordable bridge guy who's got some upside that maybe the Vikings could try to live with for a couple of years. You do that, you're also at the same time developing potentially Jaron Hall and seeing what he has. And they, I think, you're also looking at the draft uh, in 2024 at whatever round to see if there's a guy that you like that you're going to draft. It could be early, could be a little bit later again, like Hall, but. I think that that's where, the, that's where the Vikings are going to go barring a Super Bowl win. And if we get a Super Bowl win, all bets are off. But I, I think that it's getting to a point where the Vikings have got a Kwesi Do in particular and Kevin O'Connell. They've got to take a shot at, at their guy, at their quarterback, at their franchise guy. And I don't think re-signing and extending a 35-year-old Kirk Cousins is where they feel is the best chance at doing that. And now the Wilfs have got to be on board with that kind of thing. And if you get it wrong, you got to know that Kevin O'Connell's got to know that I'm probably going to get fired in two years. And Quasi (laughs) Dovamenta might get fired in two years as well. But these are the decisions that can be franchise altering either way. And I think that, you know, continuing to go the Kirk Cousins route at some point, that's going to have very diminishing returns for the Vikings. And especially if cousins goes the way of Matt Ryan where every year after 35 he just gets getting worse and worse and worse and you're paying a quarterback a fair amount of money but your record is still crap
1: <laughs> there's a <laughs> yeah. whole history of that in the Super Bowl era where that, 35 is that magic number for quarterbacks there's a couple of exceptions and yes everybody says Tom Brady Yeah, Tom Brady is an Tom. exception Aaron Rodgers Aaron Rodgers is an exception but most of them You start to see their level of play go down around 35. Some of it's 33, 34, 35, 36, but they all start that over-the-hill descent right about that time. And there's really only been two or three that have not and have still succeeded. So will Kirk be one of those? Let's hope so. Let's like I said, take us to the promised land. Have that February (laughs) parade downtown Minneapolis. I'm all for it. Yes. Let's do that. And then pay him the money. I don't care. At that point, you know, we can celebrate for years. But until then, it's going to be an interesting decision on the team's point. Now Got the Wolfs up there. I think the Wolfs like him because especially after quarterback and all the good press, he's highly favored. That means people are buying number eight jerseys. They want to come to the games and watch him and all that sort of stuff. But it's going to be an interesting season. So
0: But even Mark, even Mark Wolf this week, when he was asked, very coy in like mm-hmm. non committal looking forward to Kirk Cousins this season, looking forward to what he can do for us this season, did not say any commit to make any commitment to beyond this season, which you and the Kevin O'Connell and Kwesi Dofemenza have been doing the same thing. It's all been about this season and not even addressing beyond that. And, uh, and that's good messaging to have out. That's the right way to play. You don't want to be saying, Hey, you know, we'd love to have him back. And then that hurts your bargaining position right. uh, later on. But, uh, they're laying the groundwork for post Kirk Cousins era in Minnesota already whether that happens or not we'll see i think a lot of it again depends on what the vikings do in 2023 and how far they go uh, making the playoffs and how far they go in the playoffs uh, as to what the vikings do but i think short of getting i think they, getting to the super bowl is a minimum for them to bring back kirk mm-hmm. cousins at whatever price and I would even make the argument that even if you win it, don't do what the Baltimore Ravens did. And Joe Flacco was younger at that point. (laughs) Don't sign. Don't like maybe you just cut your losses right there and say, hey, you know, thanks for the memories, Kirk. Really appreciate you getting us that Super Bowl win. But it's doubtful you'll get us a second one. We're going to try to find a guy who can get us a second one.
1: (laughs) That would be cold. I don't. It would be very cold
0: and very unpopular. I I We'll
1: put your name up in the ring of honor. Don't worry. That would be cold, <laughs> but uh, it's 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 going to be interesting. Hey, I, I want the Vikings to succeed this year. I think they can. I think they are well equipped to, and Kirk Cousins will be part of that. And I hope he does. So,
0: well, yeah, you make no mistake. If the Vikings are going to repeat as a division champs and 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 make the playoffs and go more than one and done, Kirk Cousins has got to play like he did last year or better.
1: mm Hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. I think. And I, I think he, I I have no concerns about him playing well this year. We've got the offense to do it even with our offensive line issues. Uh, If he succeeded in it the past five years at Minnesota with the offensive line we had, uh, it's not any worse now and probably should be a lot better. Uh, I feel, I feel that he's going to be perform at a high level. Like he usually does and, uh, and put us in a position to be, have the opportunity to win most of the games that we play. Mm -hmm. Yep.
1: So it's going to be interesting. Well, that brings us to the end of the show. Any last words? What are you looking forward to this week? Titans are coming to town. Yeah. There's the joint practices and, and then the game on
0: Saturday. And that's really, again, looking forward to seeing guys like Luigi Villain Uh, and some of the rookies and second-year guys to see, again, Ivan Pace Jr., does he build on what happened in Seattle? Because uh, it's all good to get very hyped and excited about one performance, but uh, maybe the next game isn't so good, and then you get down and feel doubt what you saw in the first game. So really looking to see if those guys uh, show some consistency, and, and then that'll make me feel even better about guys like, Ty Chandler, and Ivan Pace Jr., and also looking for some bounce backs and improvements from guys like Louis Seen, Andrew Booth Jr., and some of the offensive line backups who didn't maybe play as well against Seattle and were
1: a bit concerned about. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shane, with when it comes to Dalton Reisner, nobody knows why. He supposedly reportedly wanted to be guaranteed a starting position, and they said, no, you had to compete. didn't happen. And we don't know if it's money. There's, uh, I watched last week's show. I give you a whole list of possibilities of what could have happened. No idea. everybody thinks Reisner's better. He's better at pass blocking, he's not better at run blocking. It depends what they want to emphasize. So who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> um, Gary's talking about being late. Any other live shows tonight? I don't know if there's more live shows on Sunday night there, Gary. Justin would know. I think he has the whole schedule of everybody in Vikings land that does it. I saw Rap on here today, which is great. It's good to see Rap and Justin and Skull Mafia. And everybody that's here, Norse if you know my Twitter handle, please shoot me a message. I want to get in touch with you. Um, Raymond, good. That's it. Any last words there, buddy? Not at all. Nope. Happy.
0: Thanks, everybody, for tuning in and and, uh, and having patience with our technical issues.
1: Yeah. <laughs> they were bad today. We aren't the only one. Score North had a whole slew of them this week. It was sort of funny. And then it rotated us. So, ah, uh, Northview is saying Justin will be live tonight. Great. Good. I'll get to watch that. Absolutely fantastic. What do we say? We say, Score Vikings, baby. Vikings. Like, subscribe, and ring the bell. And rate us on your favorite podcast aggregator. Darren and Dave, thank you for watching this episode of Two Old Bloggers. We look forward to seeing you on every show on the new Vikings First and Skull. You can find our podcasts as part of the Fans First Sports Network. Sports takes for the fan from the fan. Skull, everybody. This has been a Vikings First and Skull production part of the Fans First Sports Network.